As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. This week's podcast is brought to you in part by Bill Taylor Enterprises. BTE is a manufacturing, design, and support company that specializes in high-performance automatic transmission assemblies and components for drag racing, off-road, marine, and street performance. Stay tuned to learn more about BTE's tune-up services. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular Season wraps up at Maryland International Raceway in Mechanicsville, Maryland, August 23rd through the 25th. New to the Summit Sportsman Spectacular in 2019, racers will be able to earn track championship points. Stay tuned for more exciting details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome or welcome back to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Chet Dragon and Jim Rod Cap. Just a little discussion here off air. Mark is sick. I'm in Minnesota. Jed's high on pain pills because he paralyzed himself sneezing. <laughs> it was a terrible sneeze, Luke. <laughs> it, was, it was vicious. <laughs> Explain yourself, sir. Well, you know, I hurt my ribs at the lake, what, nine, ten days ago. And um, I guess I must have broke half a dozen of them or so the way it feels. I, obviously, that didn't happen. But struggling so Jenny Moe said, look, whatever you do, don't sneeze, because that's going to be bad. So I've went, whatever, ever how many days I've gone, I am on pain pills, so I apologize if I'm loopy, but I've gone this long without sneezing. This afternoon, had to run outside. If I go out in the sun from my office, 
when that sun hits my nose, something lightning strikes. I don't know what happens. I sneeze like crazy. So I've avoided going outside as much as I can. When I have gone outside, I've got the, and God just pulled it from my system a couple of times during this past week. And I was like, thank you, Lord. But today I had to run out, take me 30 seconds to do what I needed to do. And on my way out, just wasn't even being mindful of it. I chew and I wanted to call 911. Ugh. My back should have exploded. I don't know how it <laughs> kept it in. I, my skin must have poked out, you know, a good foot, foot and a half, like a cartoon. So I'm struggling, bud. So if, if any of you give me a hard time lately, and I'm, I'm a little bit out there right now, you might get called out. Oh, today <laughs> might be the day. Could be the one, Luke. Jed calling his shot. No, I, uh, we've got a, we've got a mutual friend. We've talked about this off air that likes to listen to the podcast at half speed and just says it's the funniest thing ever because we sound so drunk. <laughs> Jed, just the, what I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. There's a little muscle relaxer in your system. Yeah. You're at about three quarter speed right now. Yes. So this could get good. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am cream corn right now. Well, without further ado, if you're ready to roll, I'm going to tee you up. Let's get right into it and what everybody's talking about. Hi, Luke. Our first topic is what everyone's talking about. Now, this is blown up on social media through DragRaceResults.com, through Facebook. I haven't followed it anywhere else if it's uh, been going on, but house cars seem to be a major topic of discussion now, one of the challenges here when people are talking about house cars is that I don't think everyone has the same opinion of what a house car is. So that's something we'll clear up in this discussion, or at least we'll give our opinion of what it is, which I think is 100% accurate. Of course. But, but house cars, you know, this is not a new subject. House cars have been around for a long time. At lots of different events, but they've also been absent from a lot of big events. So let's go down this this trail here and talk about house cars and get some thoughts from you. Sure. To to your point, I think we can both agree the definition of a house car is no different than like a house card player in a casino. Like it is a racer that is put into the event by the promoter that the promoter takes a share of the winnings from i wish i had a dinger right now because i would i would ding 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 you like that yeah you just crushed it man okay. crushed it before this is over i may be calling you bro but go ahead <laughs> whoa man give me another muscle relaxer uh, okay. another one and you'll be solo i promise <laughs> <laughs> but the house car idea, like this isn't new to the podcast. We've discussed this before. I think it's been a little while, but just to reiterate, as a racer from a competition standpoint, like I don't ha house cars aren't a huge issue to me. Like when we stage up, I don't really care who paid your entry fee or who's getting your winnings. Like you're in my way of winning the race. And so like it's not as if I don't if if the promoter puts you in, it's not as if you've got tower power. Like, we still have to race, and one of us is going to win. And whoever puts you in or gets a cut of your winnings really has no impact at all on that. So as a racer, like, I don't get too caught up in it. But as a promoter, and Jed, you and I can both speak to this because we've been on that side of the fence as well. Like, it's just not a good look. 
like the whole idea of promoting a race is at least in my opinion is to serve your customers and when you uh, have house cars in your own event it just feels as if you're trying to play both sides of it and if one of those house cars was to win like how do you look your customers in the eye and feel as though like you'd done them a service i realize that house car doesn't have any better chance of winning than the the regular entrant and i think this gets amplified when when a race promoter doesn't want anyone to know who put the winner in the race that's an issue right that <laughs> you know what i mean like if For if you sure. don't want people to know it's probably something that shouldn't be going on right i would say most definitely so what I saw on Facebook, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I was going down the wrong thread, and, and truth be known, like if you're listening to this, this was a big thing a couple weeks ago, but we haven't recorded an episode together, you and I, Jed, in a couple weeks, so this was on top of the list, right? But the post I saw was that something along the lines of, well, every race has house cars. And I think you and I specifically will have pushback on that. Like that statement is ludicrous. Not only can I guarantee you that not every event has house cars because i know for a fact that the summer door car shootout that we put on doesn't um you can speak for yourself but i'm 99 percent sure that the world footbreak challenge and the sfc don't have house cars as well correct and i think like granted i'm not behind the scenes but my impression is that there are several big events that don't have house cars of any of any kind i would be shocked if there was house cars at any of the fling events Michael Beard has come out and Anthony Walton have come out very blatantly and said there are no house cars at the Loose Rocker events. And they're not the only ones. Like, I actually think because there's been light shined on this over the past and more and more promoters realize like this isn't a great look, I actually think there's fewer races that have quote unquote house cars than those that do not. I uh, couldn't agree more. And, and- uh, we've discussed it here on the show, so I'm just uh, saying it again that, you know, I used to allow my car to be raced at the WFC, and it was raced by my buddy Dude, and, you know, he was a guy that didn't get to race but once a year, and he just loved to come up there and race, paid his entries, and I don't know that he ever won anything significant, maybe a couple, two, four hundred bucks or something like that, but I never got a penny of it. I didn't really have a vested interest in him winning, so you know that was not a house car deal, but it was my car. But as that race progressed over the years, and you know, obviously your customer base is getting big. Not, you know, we talked about it here on the show. I just decided that that was not a good idea. You know, Steve and I both um, probably didn't need our own cars competing. Uh, in our event it's just a just a bad look i think everybody in the pits knows we wouldn't do a thing in the world to jeopardize what we're building but you just you don't want it it's just not worth it yeah it's just questions that you don't want to have to answer yeah and a house car at the events that we put on you know uh, for the most part have been 10 granders over the years so you you got a guy in there trying to win a 10 grander uh, what's he going to get six grand after the split and then you're going to get three of it or whatever so now that doesn't make sense at all to to gamble on that and when you're trying to build what we're trying to build so you know i think the money that's being paid is 
changing the perception of house cars or, or changing, I guess, the number of house cars. I think all this huge money that's being paid, some promoters are choosing to to gamble a little bit more and thinking that it could pay off. And, you know, by all indications, it has. Well, and this isn't a new conversation, you know, by any means. Like, this has gone on in at several events over the years. Right now, I mean, we're beating around the bush a little bit, but I think anyone listening knows that this is centered around the SFG events. Like, that's where the accusation lies. And I have no idea if there are house cars or how many house cars, but that's where this has come up, certainly, is the idea that they're putting several racers in. And to your point, Jed, like we kind of started off on this subject and, and never really circled back to it. Like There is a difference, at least in my mind, between a gifted entry and a house car. Like if it's your race, and the, the example you used is your car, and I feel like that's got some awkward connotations around it. But if there's a racer coming to your event or, or interested in coming to your event that like can't afford it. And for whatever reason, like you just want to help them out. I have zero issue with you or, or any promoter giving away an entry and saying, look, go race. Assuming that if, and when that racer wins money, like they keep it just like they paid their own entry fee. Like that is truly a gift. And you don't have a vested interest in their success as a promoter. We've done that in the past. That's something that we've gotten away from, not because I, I, I feel like it's immoral or unethical or anything like that. Like we just got to the point where we capped entries and we're trying to maximize profit, to be completely honest, sure. because I realize now that there's so much risk involved in, in putting on a race. But if you want to give away entries to someone, like I don't really have any issue with that. Again, like where I, I take issue and where I think most people take issue is the idea that the promoter is getting a cut on the back end. Like, I don't even know, like say necessarily that there's anything quote unquote wrong with that. It just feels dirty. And, and I'm, I don't mean Jed, to come across in this as being like all high and mighty and, and over this stuff. I'm just speaking from experience because just like you, you said, you know, like you've kind of been down that road. Personal story when this was not at our Jake Summer Door Car Shootout, but you know well for the last decade, I think, I put on a, a dragster race at the Great American event, was originally at Bell Rose and then moved to Memphis. We've done it every year for 10 years. This year we're not doing it just because I have other stuff going on. But the first one of those that we ever did, it was at Bell Rose. There was like, 110 cars on the grounds and i'm trying to fill a 32 car race it was like a thousand dollar entry fee so i'm begging people and i'm doing raffles and we did poker tournaments for an entry i mean just everything i could think of to try to fill the race and i came up like three short so i went around and found three guys and was like look you're in and realizing that like that took any of the profit that i was making out of the race away but whatever like you're in and um Lo and behold, one of the racers that I did that with won the race and I got like half of the money and I just like, it just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like I, the way it shook down, I wasn't really making any money off of the race. And then I went to making like a lot of money off the race and it just felt like, man, I, I almost feel like I did a disservice to these 29 guys that paid me. Uh, not that it had any outcome on the race. Like it just didn't feel right. And kind of to the point that I mentioned earlier, I didn't want anyone to know that I had a, a vested interest in that. And when I sat back and thought about it, like if I didn't want to openly tell the other 29 entrants in that race that I had a stake of the winner, 
then it probably wasn't the right thing to do. And I've never done it since. You know I mean, like live and learn. Like if you were part of part of that original race and you want to call an MF me, like have at it. Like I did that. But I, in doing it once, I stepped back and was like, ah, it's, that's not I, I, that's not really what I want to be in, about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand that completely. And, you know, we we put on races for 13 years, Steve and I. So we've helped our share of people over the years, but, um, you know, not with the with the idea of getting a cut of anything that they get. In fact, don't even keep up with that. You know, anytime I've helped, I, I'd say probably 80 percent of the time I've helped someone, they've all they've come to me after winning fifty dollars or something hey y'all just keep that since you helped and no nah, no nah, we're not we're not doing that and, you know hopefully uh, i've got enough uh, moral character that you know a uh, hundred thousand wouldn't make me feel any different but uh, i can see how the money that's being paid changes people so you know i'm I'm definitely not speaking from experience at that level. I'm speaking at a much lower level. So, you know, I don't want to don't want to condemn anyone that has or is or is going to do it, but um definitely not something that that I think is a uh, I don't know, a, a great practice as I'd put it. Yeah, no, I agree. And to your point, like I don't really have any issue with the gifted thing. Like I may my complete full disclosure, like my father-in-law, my sister-in-law, they pay their entries at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout every year, every time. But to me, like if I want to put my father-in-law in, like I may put him in a race in Huntsville or I may put him in the Spring Fling Million as a gift. Just say, look, go race. You know, I don't think you'd have the opportunity otherwise or whatever the case may be. So if I want to do that at my race, I have any issue with that. But again, he's going to get 100% of anything that he wins. Um, so anyhow, Jed, it's been, shoot, it's not been a month since we've really covered any on-track racing. We're not going to spend a ton of time with it, but let's just roll through some race results over the course of the last three, four weeks. And then it's our way of keeping people here. Like, we're going to give the people what they want. They read the headline, like, JJ's Top Ten's coming. But this is our way to make you listen to like 15 more minutes of the podcast. <laughs> so let's roll through what's been going on around the country. Uh, NHRA Western Swing, a lot of big dollar bracket races throughout the Midwest. We're just going to try to hit the high points. And I guess start this off with this episode's BTE, Who's Hot? He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. BTE staff is selected directly from the racing community. From sales to manufacturing, each member of their staff is a performance enthusiast. With multiple world championships and number one qualifiers, they offer expert professional technical advice for your racing operation. See our staff directory. Our commitment to your success is part of our own. Oh, Luke, we have a hot driver this week. Well, I say this week. I think this was a, a string of races, but nonetheless, this gentleman has had already a good season, but this was one heck of a stretch right here with some big money finals and wins. Chris Bear continues his incredible season. Chris had two $15,000 wins. Okay, so he won two $15,000 races in three days in two different vehicles one was in his door truck one was in the dragster one both then has 
That was at Keystone. Then has a $25,000 final where he was runner-up, but still a heck of a, a heck of a performance to end him, put him in the BT Who's Hot spotlight this week. Yeah, you said that Chris Bear has already had a heck of a season. I would say what Chris Bear has accomplished in the last three months, most of us would call a successful career. Chris has been absolutely on fire. Like you say, highlighted by back-to-back $15,000 wins in Pittsburgh. And then just a week or two later, uh, a final round in 25 grand at the SFG event in at Dragway 42. So kudos to Chris for just keeping this ball rolling on what has been an incredible season to date. He is definitely a uh, worthy winner of this week's BTE Who's Hot and Jed, that was a tough call. We debated this a little bit pre-show between what Chris Bear has done on the bracket scene and what Kyle Rizzoli has done on the NHRA scene. Kyle, uh, a close second, 1A, honorable mention for this week's BT, who's hot. NHRA's Western Swing just wrapped up a week or two ago. And Kyle was the the headline from it in the sportsman classes, without question. Kyle Rizzoli, winner of Superstock in Sonoma. And then a week later, not only won Superstock again in Seattle, but nearly doubled. Finished runner-up in Stock Eliminator as well. So that's, if you're keeping score at home, three national event finals in two weekends for Kyle Rizzoli. No other huge news, uh, at least on my radar from the NHRA Western Swing, except I think it's notable, and I know it's kind of been beat to death, everybody knows about it, but I think it's really impressive that Bo Butner, you know, pro stock world champion Bo Butner, got the win in Supergas at Sonoma. It was his first time to ever enter Supergas. What's more impressive than that is he did the same thing in Super Street a couple years ago. The first time he ever entered Super Street, he won Super Street. What are the odds of that? It was the Supergas win marked Bo's sixth different NHRA category to win, and he joins an elite group of racers to have won in six different classes. Jed, trivia time. I'm ready. Can you name the six NHRA categories that Bo Butner has hoisted a Wally in? Not just sportsmen. You're, you're, you're saying six, six, total. six total. Yes. Okay, so it's obviously Pro Stock, Supergas, Super Street. Bo has to have won stock. Yes. Bo has to have won comp. There's five. And I would say number six would be, oh man, is it going to be super comp or is it going to be super stock? But I would say Bo's been a super stocker some, at some point. So I'm going super stock. Oh, Big Jed, give me the dinger. You knocked that out of the park. Oh, nailed it. That's what I'm That's talking about. That's my partner. Even on drugs. <laughs> crush that kids do as we say not as we do yeah um, <laughs> xanaflex or whatever it's called <laughs> oh, this is the most entertaining episode in history <laughs> on the big buck scene big jed stanton michigan the world super pro challenge the uh, fifty thousand dollar to win main event money went home to canada mr jamie tucker with the win over my text just said ledford that was lane right i believe it was uh well you know i don't know (laughs) we're going to stick with that if we're wrong somebody will let us know i think it was lane ledford runner up in the 50 and if that's the case he is the third member of the ledford family to finish runner up in that fifty thousand dollar main event Uh, his father jeff's done it uncle's mike's done it and now Young Lane has done it. So uh, 
pretty impressive from the Ledford family. Only other note that I had from Stanton, little Mikey Bloomfield was in two finals. He opened the weekend with a $10,000 win over Gary Williams. He closed the weekend with a $5,000 runner-up to AJ Ash. So pretty impressive showing from Mikey. Obviously, it wasn't in the main event, but that is a stout field of racers to roll through it to two final rounds. Pretty impressive. Luke, I think I saw on Facebook where it said AJ has collected a big check at the World Super Pro Challenge five years in a row now in, in, wow. one, or the, in one race or the other. And I he, know he won the 50 a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's impressive. That's, that uh, is impressive. That's Speaking a, of impressive. I'm yeah. Sorry. Go for it. Man, I'm a mess right now. Dragway 42, the SFG event. So... Hold this, on, before we even get into this, yes. like, talk about how that weekend started, because this was kind of bizarre. Yeah, so I'm not really up to 100% speed on it, but best I could tell, they had an issue in the left lane, like, first round. They decided that there was a problem, and it had to be stopped, and I think they were well into the round and decided that we'd just have a redo, we'd just start over. We're going to fix this rollout issue in the left lane. And we're going to have a redo, start everything from scratch and give everybody a time trial because we just want to make sure that we give everybody the best opportunity to compete for the purse. I think that was the reasoning behind the decision, which is good. Good call, bad call. The uh, unique call, certainly. But unique, uh, definitely. Yeah, are you probably, on board with it or no? Um, <laughs> I probably would have been running the right lane so i would have been in favor of them of not getting a time trial i would have said you know heck with them they'll, they'll figure it out about 300 feet out whether they're running good or bad but no so i probably would have wanted to race because i i like to get to the steakhouse these days you know i really <laughs> want to race and take my beating and go eat but anyway so they decided that we can fix the rollout they fix the rollout and the way to test it i think I mean, if I had this option every time I needed a test rollout, I think it's foolproof. You get AJ, <laughs> put him in a dragster. This was the most bizarre part to me. <laughs> Go ahead. AJ knows if AJ misses it three and a half thousandths, he knows it. So he can tell you, yeah, I got it. It's it's good. So we made two in the in the right or two in one lane, and was going to make two in the other, and. I think it ended up three because maybe one time he let go just a little bit late and he said, let me get a redo on that because I think I might have missed it a little. And turns out, AJ told him, you ain't got a problem anymore. It's fixed. He let go on time four times and decided that the lanes were equal. And lo and behold, they got back to racing. And AJ was right. Now I may be I may be speaking completely out of turn here, Jed. Like my understanding is that this was a, a simple rollout issue. So in that case, like I don't know, like the tried and true method that we've been using for thirty plus years is get the old rollout wheel out. Like I've been content with that. I don't think I need anybody to make five time runs to prove it. But whatever. Like that's if that made put people more at ease, that put people more at ease. As to the decision itself, like I say I, at least in my mind, kind of unprecedented, a little bit bizarre, but I don't know that it's the wrong call. Like, I think you can make a, a, a valid argument either way, but just for the sake of being devil's advocate, like I'll argue against, like there, this was the first day and there was a time trial, right? Like, why did, yeah. why did this a, and not to say like, 
every T is not crossed and every I is not dotted at like every event. But if you're going to guarantee like several hundred thousand dollars to win over the weekend, shouldn't somebody check that before the race starts? I mean, I don't, I, I don't want to be too critical, but like that seems like kind of a obvious competitive thing that you would check. But whatever, the, it comes to light when it comes to light. And we've been actually been through something similar at one of our races. Because actually we had rain the first day. There was a bunch of people up on the starting line at various points. Someone kicked one of the beams. And we didn't catch it until probably 20 pairs went down in the first session. So at, at a time trial. And we gave everybody another time trial. We basically started over. Like Similar deal. I just don't really know how it got halfway through first round before you realize there's a problem. But w- whatever. I wasn't there. But the like, as a racer, and I'm probably in the minority here, like people listen to this going, of course you rerun that. And I, to be completely honest, if I was a promoter, like I may have done the exact same thing that Kyle and AJ did. Like I don't really have a, a fault with that decision. It's just a unique spot. But as a racer too, like I'm just kind of specific to eighth mile bracket racing. Like we have done so much over the, the last two decades, and maybe I'm showing my age here, to make this easier. Like LED bulbs and auto start and crosstalk and just like equipment's unbelievable. Just let's just make sure nobody can screw up, right? And everybody gets to make really good runs. I remember racing at weekly events where there was 200s difference in the lanes. If we have delay boxes, most of us understand math and the time slip. Like I'm cool with racing with a couple hundreds difference in the lanes. I actually think it'd be fun to have a variable. Now, again... I wasn't there. I'm not racing for 75 grand. Like I get that everything you want it to be perfect, but I think like you're a racer at that level. Like you can adapt to that, whatever. I wouldn't have a, I don't have a problem with them doing what they did, but I wouldn't have a problem if they just said it is what it is. Figure it out. Yeah. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think the lesson learned here is that if you don't have Chet Dragon in the pits to come make a couple of hits on the tree and check the rollout, AJ is probably, probably the next best, best option. Yeah. <laughs> I would say hopefully Chet's there because I would trust Chet just a little more than AJ. But if AJ says it's good, I'm good. I guarantee you that's what Kyle Riley did. He looked down the entry list. Chet Dragon, nope. Jim Rod Cap, nope. Damn, AJ, get out there and make a couple runs. We have to figure this out. <laughs> just make them till you feel comfortable that the rollout's good. Ever how many that takes. So, uh, who did they, figure it out at Dragway 42, Jim? What's that? It's, so, who ended up figuring it out at Dragway 42? Oh, yeah. So, when the racing got started back up, and I don't know which lane the winners were in, that would be interesting to me because we could call it, you know, some kind of conspiracy or setup or whatever. But Scott Taylor took the win on Thursday over Randy Shire. That was 15K. Megan Lotz put her name in the record books. As a female $50,000 champion over Chris Koslick. Has that been done before? I don't think so. I think Megan was the first. I can't remember she it being done. You may be lots right. Of, lots of cash. <laughs> <Ba-dum-bum>. <laughs> and then Saturday, Jeremy Kessler got a $75,000 check as he got the win over Carl Drake Jr. And Sunday wrapped up with Mike Donnell. Winning over Chris Bear, as we talked about in the BT, who's hot. $25,000 payday for Mike. So that was Dragway 42, SFG wrapping up. Luke, uh, there was some action, SFG action earlier in the month at Piedmont Dragway. That was the race that was so hot that 
everybody pretty much on the East Coast canceled except for the two competing races. That was uh, the King of the Creek race at MIR. I think it was MIR. And then uh, Wesley's. Am I rambling a little? I think I'm rambling. Anyway. Like I say, 75% speed, but I'm digging it. It's very entertaining. Anyway, they raced at Piedmont. And uh, Jeff Sarah got a $15,000 payday. (laughs) A big surprise there. Jeff Sarah wins like crazy. And Gabe Taylor won a 50 grander over Chris Borges. So your uh, your point on Sarah too. I, I he uh, he won one of the days of uh, the latest loose rocker race at Virginia too, and I believe was down to like five cars on the day that they weren't able to finish. That got split up. So Sarah, uh, actually a third candidate for this week's VTU Who's Hot. Yeah, Jeff Sarah always in motion. Solutions always getting it done. You mentioned the the competing events on the East Coast, and it was hot that weekend. That's the weekend that we had our Jag Summer Door Car Shootout. It was miserable in the Midwest as well. Wesley Washington's event up at MIR, obviously on top of the SFG event at Piedmont, and there was some drama between those two events. There's been some drama between those two promoters, but there's a lot of stuff came out on Facebook, on the Drag Race Results message board. Do you want to explain or do you want me to? Well, look, I mean, it's very simple. And, and I'm going to go on and talk about the guy that brought it to light. I mean, heck, let's, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. All right, let's go. So, loose change, apparently, he and Wesley are very good friends. And we all know Wesley's in Kyle's past. Or I think, I say we know it. We know it at 30,000-foot at view anyway. So, there's races going on. I don't think either event had the crowd that they were looking for. My goodness, it was the heat index was like 115 degrees. It was crazy. Sure. And you've got uh, two mega events within five hours of each other on top of each other. So yeah. either one's typically going to do all that well. Very difficult to, to make that work for either side. So uh, Loose Change brought it to light on uh, DragRaceResults.com that um, – Apparently, the promoter from the Piedmont event texted racers that were attending the MIR event and said, if you will leave that race, you will have a free entry waiting on you at Piedmont. Now, that is strictly hearsay. I have seen no confirmation of that. I have seen no evidence but I also haven't seen anyone say, no, that didn't happen. So, I, Luke, you know, I'm not much of a fighter, especially right now because my back, my ribs <laughs> hurt. But tell you what. If I'm, I'm just going to figure out some way to make you sneeze. I win the fight. <laughs> yeah. If I'm promoting an event and I'm already struggling and racers at my race are getting texts like that from another promoter, we would definitely have a discussion, uh, and and if that discussion went the way I think it would go, one of us probably gets can up. <laughs> it'd be me. Uh, yeah, that, I don't like that. I don't like it at all. No, I hope it's not true. I do. Um, and, and like you say, we don't really have any any validation or verification that it is. If that happened, I just. I realize that there's history and there's bad blood there, right? But if you're the if you, if you're Kyle Riley there, like my understanding is that they didn't have a lot of cars at Piedmont, so like he's not probably 
in the positive uh, on the weekend as it is. And obviously, MIR didn't have cars either. So neither one of them are making any money. To like to go and try to steal racers from another race that also isn't profiting and give them an entry to your race that's already losing money, like that just seems really malicious and 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 vengeful and spiteful. I think you know, like personal. Just kind of, yeah, yeah, obviously very personal. And I just, I don't know, man. I I hope that they're both above that because like I I like Wesley a lot. I like Kyle. I just. And I don't know the details of that history. Obviously, it's checkered. It's not good. But, man, like, if that's all true, like, ah, that there's just no good that can come of that. So, whatever. Like, I, I read the same things, and I was sitting here with the popcorn just waiting for somebody to, to come on and confirm or deny, and we never really got any of that. So, who knows? Like, it's probably not even worth talking about. But, man, that that's just a situation that doesn't seem to be getting any better. No, it doesn't. And while we're talking about Wesley and the King of the Creek race, I, all, all I remember from that race is that Steve Witherow seemed to wreck the field, which he does quite often, and he had a perfect reaction time leaving the starting line backwards in a bye run. That's all I remember from Wait, what? Event. Yeah. Yeah, he was triple O in reverse on a bye run, just kind of just went backwards. That's just, impressive. Yeah, he didn't like, you know, and but he just like goosed it or whatever and it's perfect backwards. <laughs> That's strong. awesome. I I watched Anthony Bertozzi on a buy run like at a is it an HRA or IHRA national event in Superstock like let go of the brake pedal at idle as the first amber was on and B00 something. Never got off idle. Like the car just steadily creeping and the stage bulb went out as the green came on. I thought that was really impressive, but he wasn't perfect. If WW yeah. was if, 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 Wesley Washington, capital W is Steve Withrow. He did that in reverse. That's impressive. That takes that the cake. Is. That should have got this week's BT who's hot. And I think he won what was supposed to be their 50 grander, which uh, might have turned out to be you know, 20-ish, but still a great win and a big day for Steve. Another big day for Steve. So uh, lastly, Luke, before we get to the best event since our last podcast, was uh, the sixth annual Colonial Classic from the boys at Loose Rocker. Uh, had a little bit of rain, a little bit of struggles, big crowd. I, I think they were all over 400 entries. Another monster crowd for those guys between Footbreak and Super Pro cars. Got all the racing done. It's like Friday John Corbin got the win over Gus Gooseman, and Gus Gooseman's in all cap letters on our thing. So I don't know if I was supposed to say Gus Gooseman, <laughs> or if it just happened to work out that way. But either way, Gus was a runner-up to John Corbin. Foot break on Friday was uh, Jake Milstead getting the win over Tim Foskey Jr. Saturday, the aforementioned Jeff Sarah with another big win over Sean Carpenter, another man that shows out over there in that part of the country. Foot break was Devin Dudley over Bobby Matera. Devin with $10,000 payday there on the foot break side. And I know he was still in Sunday, I think, when the curfew hit. Because of rain, they got down to, I don't know, maybe six or seven cars, something like that, and had to split the money. Uh, both classes, but I think Devin was still in there too. So big, big weekend for Devin Dudley and uh, another great race for the, for the uh, loose rocker gang, Michael Beard and Anthony Walton. 
Yeah, and just keep in mind, like, the topics of conversation here, at least among the winners, has largely been Jeff Sarah and Steve Withrow. Like, those guys are out of the same camp. It has been a good month for, uh, for Team yeah. W. You mentioned it a little bit. We're going to close this with some talk about the ninth annual Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. That's my race, and to be completely transparent, this is an event that we wouldn't normally discuss on the show. Just like it's not a huge money event. Our our marquee event, uh, or our daily races are seventy five hundred dollars. We've got a winner take all high rollers race that this year I think paid twenty six grand. But it's uh, the event that I put on along with my wife, along with our uh, local track owners, Scott and Leanne Bailey. And uh, it's our podcast. We're going to talk about it. Um, As we just, should. Absolutely. Dave Angeli, one of our local racers who's really made a name for himself traveling around uh, in recent years. Dave actually won the last day of the 2018 Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. He continued that role uh, on, in a different year, in a different race car. Uh, he won the opening day this season, got that $7,500 check in probably the most anticlimactic fashion you could have. Dave won at three cars, and behind him was David Camden making his bye run. And on said bye run, David Camden left the starting line. And I mean, I said it was anticlimactic. The bye run was huge climax because not only did David Camden break, have to pull over by the wall, he left the pinion gear on the racetrack. Oh. Yes. Oh. It didn't break rear end. It spit it out onto the racetrack. Obviously, David, unable to get that fixed up for the final round. Dave gets the win by default. Saturday rolled around, another $7,500 win race. And the day was really dominated by Kevin Reed, uh, another one of our locals. I think Kevin's actually based in Kentucky. Got a fast uh, S10 pickup truck. Dave won the main event. He defeated Bobby Stevens in the final. Bobby, an Indiana racer who's done well at our race before. No stranger to the winner's circle at the Jake Summer Dark Horse Shootout. And then Kevin came back hours later in our um, quick 16 program and nearly pulled the double he ended up runnering up the quick 16 to our buddy charlie hammer digital delay fame charlie drove his beautiful cutlass to the quick 16 win saturday night also brought our uh, aforementioned king of illinois shootout what we do there is it's a 500 entry 100 payback winner take all so i believe this year's purse was it was $22,000. Uh, it was won by Jason Grams out of Missouri. Jason's a, a gateway regular. He got the win in that over Jason McKaggy. That name probably sounds familiar. It's actually, they, they corrected me on uh, pronunciation there, Jed. It's, it's Jason McKaig. McKaig, okay. McKaig. Yeah, so now we know. But Jason and Jeremy, both uh, constant fixtures in the winner's circle at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout over the years. And then day number last, we got down to three cars before the reins rolled in. Zach Schlumpf, host of the Dialed In podcast with Jake and Zach, uh, was sitting on the bye run at three. And uh, his buddy and traveling partner, Justin Smitty, was one of the cars at three. He was going to square off with Caleb Redeker from the Nashville area. Caleb driving the PJ Fouts mobile. Rain set in. It rained real hard, real fast. We weren't able to finish the race. Those three uh, negotiated a split. Uh, it was kind of an interesting situation because Zach, everyone knew Zach had the buy. So I'd never really been a part of a race that got split like that. But I thought what they did was, was fair to everybody. So that was cool. And then um, the Saturday night deal, like always fun. Our spectator crowd was down a little bit this year, Jed, because again, the heat was just ridiculous oh it was brutal yeah so our spectator crowd was about half what it normally be still line the fences we still threw the frisbees we still had a big time and then uh lucas walker is the undisputed king of the wheelie 
for a third consecutive year. He won our wheelie contest. He didn't hit anything, so it was a win all the way around. And this year's burnout contest was as entertaining as ever. When the smoke cleared, literally, when the smoke cleared, this year's winner was uh, was David Hearn. It was a super controversial decision. And Jed, I know you've been in the tower. David Hearn tries to qualify for that event every year. Yes. And he's got an old slow door car, heavy door car. Like he's really got to put forth effort and he puts forth effort year in, year out. Well, this year he qualified and uh, we ended up giving him the nod over Mike Crick. Really controversial. They both did awesome burnouts. Crick's was at 8,000. So like that should probably be worth something anyway, but they were both really good. And the, 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 the fan decision, you say there, there was, there was a little bit of unrest, but uh, the fan decision went to her. And so good times as always, Jake summer door car shootout was, uh, was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun uh, for a few hours until I uh, <laughs> uh, left and had to go home. Um, triple with the hot rod, uh, a couple of cold cylinders, wasn't real sure why. So just uh, have gotten everything back from the, the fine folks at Brodick's and think I'll have Big Red back on the track. But Luke, I hated to leave, but it was, uh, it was brutally hot and I was struggling with cold cylinders, so I was a little lean and worried i was really going to do some damage and it was probably a good idea to go ahead and get on out of there and head back home but all in all i didn't get to see any of those uh great things happen except for what i saw online another great event and uh, a very very touching special tribute that uh, you did for the ellis family and donnie getting to make a run down the track in his uh, street chevelle was Got to watch that as well online. That was a really, really cool thing. I know something that was special to you and your family. Yeah, definitely the uh, the highlight of the event. And uh, I appreciate you saying that. That's uh, one of the tougher things that I've had to do. But uh, glad we did it. And it uh, it was it was a, it was a special moment without question. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so, oh, I just leaned up in my chair, and I I did that right on. I mean, for everybody to hear, I just kind of you know struggled a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, Mark, let's don't edit that out. We're keeping that. Mm-mm, leave it. Leave it because right. it's real. I promise you it's real. <laughs> Jed, I think it's time. Let's give the people what they want. Yep. Time for JJ's top 10. Well, it is great to welcome back our 13-year-old correspondent to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. It is time for JJ's Top 10, brought to you by Armed Forces Racing. I want to thank Jeff Lambert and the folks at Armed Forces Racing. And JJ, I want to thank you for giving us some time out of your busy schedule, uh, uh, sitting on the couch all day. I know it is extremely difficult. You managed to do that and put us a top 10 together. So thank you for joining us tonight. No problem. So you got a lot going on right now. We'll briefly touch on that and then we'll jump into this top 10. But you are like 
you're two weeks from starting eighth grade. So you you know you're in high school at our school. That's it's no middle school. So that's a lot happening. You're about to go leave tomorrow and head to the beach with me for a few days. And you are like some kind of slot car king right now. You you got you got a lot of momentum going on in slot car racing. Your nickname being JJ Hightail at the slot car races, and you're dominating. What? I mean, how are you balancing all that? There's a lot happening in your life, bud. When I go to the slot car track, pretty much all I think about is trying to get to the next round or trying to get that one of six to ten entries through. Yeah, that's so, no, the double entering is uh, is not a problem at slot car races because you usually got six to ten. So you got plenty of entries. It keeps you busy. Right. But you're coming off of a, a loss at 11 cars in a 175-car race. And, uh, you had 10 entries there come up short. But prior to that, you'd won three in a row. And a couple of those races, you were like the runner-up and then all the semis and light money and all kind of stuff going on. So performing really well at slot car races, but super proud of you. Well, thank you. That's awesome stuff. JJ is the Chris Bear of slot car racing. <laughs> he is the Chris Bear or the Jeff Sarah of slot car racing you know that was a golden opportunity for you to say well dad i appreciate that and i appreciate the 7.362 million dollars that you've invested in my slot car racing program to make whoa, sure that i got whoa. plenty plenty of cars whoa, and... whoa. what's that whoa. did i miss something was it more than that you bought two of them uh, the rest. Mm, okay we'll we'll agree to disagree on that but Mark, why do I feel well, like I mean, we're in a we're in a family debate here? I feel like we should bow out of this for a minute. <laughs> yeah, we won't bore the listeners with that with a debate that I would win. They're, they're, they they don't want to hear that. They want to hear JJ you win. Mean, no mean, chance of that. You mean the two blows, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what it happened. Anyway, so this is your top ten, uh, aka top fifteen, aka it's going to be more than that. But this is for the month of July. So I know people have heard us talk about so far in the show winners, and they, they looked at Facebook, and there's some recent winners. Some of that happened in August, so don't think that we're leaving them out. We'll get them in August. But these are the, the winners in July that we want to discuss. So, J.J., our junior dragster category this week is rather different and interesting. But tell us what you decided to do there. So we're just going over the champions that were crowned at the Eastern Conference Finals in uh, Bristol, July 20th. And so we're just going to go over the champions that were crowned there from all different age groups and uh, what went on. Yeah, I like it. So tell us all about it. Who were the champions there? So your six to nine-year-old age champion is Gage Blevins. The 10-year-old champion is Morgan Hart, 11-year-old Age group champion is Brendan Nuttle. Sean Kirshner won the 12-year-old championship. Uh, Nathan Tanner in the 13-year-old championship. Gage Ratchford, 14-year-olds, got it done for that championship. Bryce Boer, hope I'm saying that right, won the 15-year-old class championship. And Jesse Marshall won the 16- to 17-year-old class championship. Yeah, so I wanted to recognize all those big winners at the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, seemed like it was fitting. And we know there were some great performances out there in junior dragsters, but that's 
the ECF is the biggest deal they had in July. So wanted to recognize the the big winners from that. And Team Numidia, I believe, was the team champions there. So congratulations to each and every one of those champions. You know, it's not a one through five or type deal, or we're, we didn't rank you per se. So you're all champions. You're all number ones this week. So congratulations. So, Bud, foot break is another category, or bottom bulb is another category that's going to have a little interesting twist to it that, that you wanted to do. So tell us how you're going to handle that. So number five is personally my favorite one on the list. So I'm going to start at four and go to one, then save number five for last. Interesting strategy, Cotton. Go ahead. So number four is Terry Nyman. He got a 10K win on Sunday at the WFC. I believe it was no split. Yeah, and Terry's 68 years old. And you'll hear a little more about the WFC. That's that's our event. That's the one we put on. Everybody knows that. Results are going to be our, our top five is going to be WFC heavy. I apologize for that, but I think Luke mentioned earlier, you know, it's it's our podcast and it's our list and we can do it any way we want to do it. So Damn, I apologize yeah. if, if it offends you. But Terry Nyman, look, 68 years old, been racing the same car since 1970. Come out in a 450-plus foot brake car or entry field and collected the $10,000 no-split win. That Stories like that are what this stuff is all about. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So, bud? That's a big deal. Who you got in number three? Number three is Michael Weirdbeard. He uh, run it up two 5Ks at Quaker City, won a two-grander at Dragway 42, and then semi-ed another two-grander in the very next day. Yeah, uh, Beardo, the weirdo, we, we love MB, loose rocker promotion guy. He is, his car's been down for seemingly two years. He's back out with it straightened out on the racetrack now and – Doing what Michael Beard does. He is a excellent bottom bulber, and he's performing really well and very deserving of getting on the list and probably hear from him again in August with the, the role he's on. So congratulations, Michael Beard. That's a, a nice accomplishment to land in the number three spot. How about number two, bud? Number two is going to be Nasty Nick Hastings. He won back-to-back 5K races at Quaker City. Yeah, so the two 5Ks that Beard runnered up were both to Nasty Nick. Uh, got those two 5K wins along with some other stuff. We'll actually hear <laughs> from Nasty again later on. Kind of crazy. This guy's just ultra talented. A couple of big wins there for him at Quaker City over a, a tough competitor. So uh, congratulations, Nasty Nick, for landing in the number two spot. So number one had to be pretty special, bud. Number one is going to be Jimmy Reeves. He won the Thursday three grand gamblers race and the Saturday 10 grand race at the World Footbreak Challenge while being a 63-year-old in a field of young guns. Yeah, Jimmy Reeves uh, takes his 650, 660 Ford Fairlane, 63 years old. The Saturday race was the largest field ever for a footbreak-only event, 484 entries. It ran over into Sunday because we had to stop at curfew due to some rain. Ran over into Sunday morning, not much sleep, not much rest. 63-year-old man that all but passed and left this earth back in September with a heart issue. Lucky he made it through that. I mean, he all but died. Gets back out there, the extreme heat, facing the young guns over two days, 
and gets a $10,000 payday after he's already won the Gamblers on Thursday night. Amazing performance from Jimmy Reeves. His crew chief, I think it's Rodney Red, his crew chief, awesome guy too, found him killed over in September at the racetrack after a run and got him some help and they, they revived him. And then he comes out, you know, less than a year later and does what he does. Uh, congratulations, Jimmy Reeves. That number one spot, that was a heck of a performance. Uh, really something special to watch take place. Two big victories at the WFC. So, JJ, that was really special. And that was four through one. Why in the world would you save number five to talk about last? Because it's the greatest thing ever. Well, tell us that about it. That sounds like five. a good reason. Number five is Ryan Gleghorn. Didn't win anything. Actually didn't oh. even drive good. But he made the most <laughs> epic foot freight run of 2019 when he caught his own lap from inside Seth Lancaster's truck at the WFC 13. 2019, Weird. this is the most epic lap in foot break history. Probably so, Luke. Probably so. We didn't want to oversell it, but we've talked about it here on the podcast. Go find it. I don't know. It's all over the internet. You probably find it on Ryan's page, Jake Hodge's page, if you haven't seen it. He called his own lap with his cell phone in his helmet during competition at WFC 13 with the, the other phone on the microphone in the tower. He called it start to finish, you know, told us about how he's set up on the dial and I'm um, turning out the top light and rolling it deep and how he's late and went through the whole deal. It was epic. Ryan raced like I do. I mean, it was not good. Uh, it was not good on that run. <laughs> but it was an absolute pleasure to watch all 84 times that I've viewed that video. <laughs> and for an epic run like that and a great call inside the car, Ryan Gleghorn makes the top five in foot brake this time around. Congratulations, RG. Well deserved. Very well deserved. So... But that takes us to Top Bulb, where we'll talk about people winning more money than we ever dreamed, I mean, in a, a career, much less a one race. So let's start out with, let's go with honorable mention. There were some honorable mentions we just mentioned briefly. Let's talk about those guys. So our honorable mentions are Steve Witherow, Jeff Sarah, and Gabe Taylor. Yeah, so we talked about Weatherow, we talked about Sarah, and, and Gabe Taylor collected that $50,000 payday at Piedmont that we talked about. So our honorable mention got a $50,000 payday. So the list has got to be pretty good. Tell us all about it, bud. Who's number five? Number five is going to be Big Nasty Kyle Sapple. He won Super Pro at the Western States Championship. It was not a huge money race, but it was his first win since returning from since returning to racing from his battle with cancer. Yeah, super special. The money didn't matter there. That was all about the moment and a celebration of a guy that's been down a, a, a very difficult journey and come out with a $4,000 win at the Western States Championship. I believe that was at uh, Sacramento, if I remember correctly. But congratulations, Big Nasty. Huge win. Uh, you could tell everybody was excited for you all around you. Loving on you and, and a lot of love on the internet too. So great job, Big Nasty, on that win. Definitely the the feel good story of the month. And Big Jet, I feel like we're in the inner circle, but Big Nasty kind of called a shot there. Yeah, he most definitely did. And <laughs> yeah, we are on the inner circle or in the inner circle. And, and Big Nasty, <laughs> Big Nasty sent us a video. He was feeling and, it. Uh, 
yeah, he uh, he said he he's got a helmet and let everybody know I'm back on the way to the track and. He went and uh, showed out. So, love you, Big Nasty. Congratulations. Nasty Big seems baller, to be a, shot caller. Yeah, nasty, the word nasty seems to be common going on here. We had Nasty Nick on the foot breaker, bottom bulb side, and then Big Nasty here. So tell us about number four, bud. Nasty Nick Hastings. He got a 50K win at the SFG 525 on Friday's race. Yeah, I think that was actually Sunday. We might have put on the list that it was on Friday. I think that wrapped it up, but... Oh, it might have been, it was Friday's race, but it wrapped up on Sunday. That's that's what, exactly what happened. So, Nasty Nick gets it, gets a spot on the bottom bulb side, gets a spot on the top bulb side. I have no idea. He might have been top bulb and bottom bulb, and I really don't know anymore. He was off the bottom there. So, he was off the bottom. So, where do you put him? He wins a top bulb race off the bottom? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He belongs on both lists. I don't care how you do it. He won a top bulb race. <laughs> So well, he landed on JJ's top 10 history. Yeah. Uh, really cool. Uh, Nasty Nick getting another role going and having another wonderful season. So congratulations to him. But who falls in the number three position? Number three is Jeremy Bowsman. He got the 100K win at the Firecracker Nationals. Another bottom bulber getting it done at a top bulb event. But it was $100,000. He went through murderer's row to win that $100,000 payday. Tremendous effort by Mr. Bowsman and definitely deserving of being on our list somewhere, top bulb, bottom bulb, whatever, but a uh, great performance by him landing in there. So uh, that's a $100,000 win. Who in the world could have beat that, but who's next? Number two is going to be Johnny Brackett Racer. Johnny Ezel was the 525 runner-up and had several big wins following which and one of those was a 50 grander. Yeah, I got tired of trying to keep up with what Johnny was winning. Um, it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous run. You know, the the 10s and 15s and everything else he was winning. Then, you know, you look and he's got a $50,000 check in front of him. He was runner-up at the, the 525, which obviously we'll talk more about coming up shortly. Johnny went on a, a stretch that was really just unbelievable and possibly deserving of the number one spot, but this guy, you just couldn't deny him. Number one on the list is who, bud? Number one is Gage Birch. He was the 525K winner and had a 50 grand runner-up in the same weekend. Yeah, runner-up 50 grand. In a truck he'd never sat in before. In In a Ford Ranger he had never been in before, took a gamble, Went to Michigan, jumped in Matt Dadis Ford Ranger, Chevy powered, by the way, for all you Ford lovers out there, and gets a gets a win that will go down in history. It's the largest payday in the history of drag racing at the SFG 525. And Gage Birch, 19-year-old young man that we've talked about at basically hours upon hours it, on the podcast here, comes out on top, and that was right after getting a $50,000 runner-up uh, the day prior. So Gage Birch, uh, again, in the history books, very deserving of the number one spot, and certainly congrats goes out to him and all the other people that landed on your list, bud. 
before we talk to you and send you off, I want to make sure that everybody knows that your top 10 is brought to everyone by Armed Forces Racing. Jeff Lambert doing wonderful things for our veterans, getting them involved in racing at many different levels. And he's got decals for these uh, folks that we've talked about. Guys, reach out to him. Go to Armed Forces Racing, like their page, reach out to Jeff, and let him know that you uh, were on the, the list for J.J. this time around, and, and he'll get you a, a nice J.J.'s Top 10 decal, which is, is really cool, by the way. Um, I'll put one on the Nova if I ever get it back, and uh, looking forward to that. So, Also, you can reach out to uh, our producer, Mark, through our uh, Facebook page, and he'll help you get connected with Jeff if you're having trouble. But Armed Forces Racing on Facebook or armedforcesracing.org, go check him out. J.J., Really good list. You got a lot going on in your life, but you're very, very busy. And um, I appreciate you taking some time to put the list together and, and join us tonight. It was really well done. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks for being here, JJ. Yeah, bud. So get back to your, your business, whatever you're doing. Have yourself a wonderful night. All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services. Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. The IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular's final stop for 2019 is in Mechanicsville, Maryland at Maryland International Raceway, bringing $5,000 payouts in top and $2,500 payouts in mod both days. Along with that terrific value, the Summit Sportsman Spectacular will also feature street, juniors, and bikes. Now, there will be round prizes, IHRA member bonuses, a racer appreciation cookout, mm-mm, and Ironman trophies for all class champions. Come on out to MDIR August the 23rd through the 25th and see what all the Summit Sportsman Spectacular is about. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors and supporters, the IHRA and the fine folks at BTE. Support those companies any and every opportunity you get. Luke, it's been a while. I don't know if you're rusty right now or if you're prepared, but it's shout-out time. All right, we got to start with shouts. This actually happened here. I'm in Brainerd, Minnesota, as we uh, as we record this. Just ran the divisional event last weekend. I'm here getting ready for the national event this weekend. And I don't know if either of you guys saw this, but the final round of Supergas at the Brainerd Divisional last week 
was like from Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Heaven. Like how we've gotten an hour plus into this show and not talked about the Supergas final is beyond me. Mm. But we've got to give shouts to both the runner-up, Tim Nicholson, he of the five-speed, top-end throttle stop, the coolest Supergas car in the country. But even he was no match for the eventual winner, Jim Rodcap. I did see that. It Jim was, Rodcap. It was good. Jim Caffiello, he gets shouts every week, and we're going to keep talking about Jim, because at some point here real soon, like I would say within the next month, I'm going to have to nerd out and go through the scenarios and the contenders and the favorites for this year's NHRA World Championships. Our man, Jim Rod Cap, very much a title contender in Super Gas. Mm. This could be the greatest thing to ever happen to the Sportsman, pod, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. So you keep an eye on that. Much- They'll make it that much more enjoyable to listen to. Absolutely. Shouts to, uh, where do I want to start here? Shouts to our lead correspondent, man of the people, J.J. Pennington. Shouts, Big Jed, to, uh, don't think you sneak this past me, like I really like the play on words. Shouts to lots of cash. That was (laughs) you and Megan Lots. Uh, Shouts to Gus Gooseman, the one and only. Gus, nice work, sir. Uh, shouts, of course, to, to sneezes and muscle relaxers and wow. all, everything that went into making this specific episode, episode 142 of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, so great. Um, <laughs> shouts to AJ Ash. We, we love you. We got to have fun somehow. Uh, yeah. Of course. And, and of course, I mean, it's not an episode without starting and ending with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend. Shouts to Chet Dragon. Shout out, Chet. And AJ. Yeah, I mean, I hope AJ took that the right way. But if he didn't, I'll take it up with him after my back and ribs get to feeling better. So, guys, tell us what you think. I mean, at this point, we really don't care, but we want to hear it. I don't know after this episode that we do, but sure. Yeah, yeah, we still love to hear, you know, how bad we suck or if we're doing this the right way or whatever. But tell us. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Producer Mark will uh, get to those early and often. He takes out, if you talk bad about us, he deletes them so we don't ever see them or hear about them. And he just tells us the good stuff, but tell us anyway. Or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Thanks for joining us. I know it was painful. It sure was for me. But we look forward to being a little healthier next time around and talking to you about some more sportsman drag racing. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom ball before a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switching feet like Jerry. Big Oh, no, go ahead. I'll let you go first. We'll, well, when we you said do. I'm going to tee you up, I thought you meant, I thought you wanted me to. No, that'll work. You go first. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. 
led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.